All right. Welcome to a Dose of Loves. A serious show for a serious person. Today I'm joined by songwriter extraordinaire, musician, friend of mine, very good friend of mine, um, all around good guy. Ladies and gentlemen, Earl St. Clair is in the building. That's my eighth grade picture smile. Welcome, Earl. Welcome to A Dose of Los. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I've lost my dose of blunt. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's all you. Yeah, that's you want That's a heavy dose. You want a little bit of this knee blunt? No, I'll retire. Ah, that's good. For those of you who don't know Earl, Earl is a good friend of mine. Um, he's an artist that I've worked with for years and years. I lost count. In years. We've been working together since 2014. What's this year? Or 15. What's 21. Damn. It's been about five, six years. That's seven, nigga. Together. You said 14, it's 21, that's seven. Well, math is not why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> They're not here for my math skills, believe me. Um, yeah, we've been working together for almost seven years, so just about, yes. give or take, somewhere around there. Um, I met Earl at Vaux Street, right? That's where we met, Vaux Street Studios. Studios. You scratched your Cadillac door. Oh, is that the first time we met? Yeah, I thought you were a stuck-up prick because you were light-skinned with long hair and you had that monotone voice. And then when I told you that you were about to hit the wall, you kind of had like a nonchalant answer. I didn't hear you, I don't think. Did I hear that, you? I don't, I don't remember. I, I just remember. remember that. And I, was I remember like, hitting that pole and I was being like, very upset. I was like, fuck this guy. That was my initial response. I was like, fuck this guy. Fucking douche. <laughs> like that's a lot of people's first response when they meet me. This fucking asshole. Look at this guy. People think I'm, I'm mean when they first meet me. So yeah, I think I'm mean too. Yeah. Apparently I have a mean face. I, well, I don't know. You have a face only a mother could love. I have a face made for radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was our first introduction right there. Yep. Um, and obviously Earl didn't like me then, so we didn't start working then. I think we started working together, what, maybe a year after that? A little under, I believe. Yeah, because at that point we had got to know each other a little bit and you didn't hate me anymore. No, no, I didn't, no. I didn't, I didn't never hate you. I just didn't know that you were likable. That's a, that's a good way to put it. I didn't know what you, I didn't know you I were I didn't like, know that you were a likable yeah, person. I didn't know you were Also, a feel free guy. to smoke on a dose of lows. You're welcome to do your thing. Okay, well, I'm going to step out when I go grab them when I'm ready to smoke. That's fine. You can do whatever yeah. you like on this show. Um, so yeah, at that point we start working together and actually that's, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We'll talk about whatever you like, but I definitely want to touch on, we can start on this is, um, we've had a lot of experiences in music. We had our fellow amigo, big Duke on the show yeah. last two weeks ago. Um, and a question that I asked him that I would also like to pose to you. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that question in a second. Tell me a little bit about your background. What got you started in music? You're also from Cleveland. Yes. Another one of my Cleveland friends. Cleveland, apparently, Ohio. apparently, there's nobody left in Cleveland because they've all come to LA. No, no, no. it's, it's <laughs> niggas know, still left in Cleveland now. <laughs> it's niggas still in Cleveland. No, um, <laughs> so you moved out here from Cleveland. Yeah. When did you come out to LA? Ooh, I'm not good with dates. Um, 2000. Uh, my daughter was born when? I'm gonna say 2009. Yeah, right. around 2009, but I've been out a few times prior to that, so it's been roughly about 13 years on it, you know, going and coming. Right, and before you came out here, you were and, producing uh, in Cleveland. Yeah. JP I, did this one. Yes. 
Right. Yes. And then I moved to Atlanta for a little bit. I lived in Alabama too. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll with right. it to get rolled over. Mm-hmm. You heard the man. Um, so Cleveland to Alabama, back to Cleveland? Yeah. And then to LA. Yeah, but I went to Georgia first for a little bit. I worked on the polo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Worked on the polo. Yeah. Polo the Don for those yes. of you who don't know who Polo Shout out to is. Rich Paul. Put people put me and my boy RJ so in play. Was that the start of your like professional musical journey was when you went out to Georgia and started working for Polo? Um, or when would you say you started being a professional producer, musician, etc.? When I got my first check. Oh yeah, <laughs> from a label. There you, go. <laughs> <laughs> you like I was making money, you know. I was, yeah. You know, but your pay only goes as your clients go, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my clients had a certain job that it, it doesn't. It's not consistent all the time, and. And Doesn't that, always allow for the most no, uh, freedom either. No, <laughs> no, you know. And when that fluctuated, so did my pay. So right. that's why I can't really say that I was. I did. A, I'm gonna say it's tiers to professionalism when it comes to doing music. Okay. And I was on tier one in Cleveland because yeah. I was making a a certain standard of music that you couldn't get everywhere. Right. And I was making money off of that, but like I said, it fluctuated. And I don't consider myself an official professional producer until I got my first check. And that was from Machine Gun Kelly on a Lace Up album in 2013, I think it was. Shout out to MGK and the entire EST dog. family. Um, I did the Hold On Shut Up record with him and Jeezy. Hey. Yeah. Very that nice. kicked it off. And that was that moment where you're like, oh, shit. I got a check. I got a check. You remember how much it was for? Shit. I think my... Maybe five thousand. Ooh, when was this? Two thousand thirteen. That was good money for two thousand thirteen. Five thousand dollars. That was the most money I ever seen up to that point. Hell yeah. Recoupable? No, nigga, they buy your masters. They bought it out. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for duh. Yeah, I'm tripping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They bought the masters. They can make twenty million dollars off that little file they gave you. Hold on, let me. Um, nice. Let me see when that album came out. I want to. I'm not good with dates, so I have to look this up. It's okay. The Dose of Los audience is very patient when it comes to accuracy. Okay, that's great. Like we like to be accurate around here. We like to make sure we have the correct dates. Very important. This album came out in 2012. Yeah, it was 2013. So that was that moment where you felt like, hey, I'm a pro now. Yeah, and that led to me getting a publishing deal. So that was great. So then from there, you end up coming out to LA. Yeah. And the reason that we're I'm tracing this this um this arch the storyline is because you did something that is very difficult at a certain point while you were out here. Mm-hmm. You pivoted from being a producer, and you went into being an artist. Yes, and that's where I entered the picture. Yes, um, not that I was responsible for that, but um, <laughs> you went from being a producer to being an artist. Talk a little bit about that, as far as the challenges that you felt from the actual work itself of, you know, that crossover, but also was there any trepidation on your part just to be starting such a new almost career, so to speak? I'll answer that right after I grab my smokes. Cause this is a grab story your smokes, for your man. ass. Grab your smokes. We'll be right back. Pause for we would also like to take this moment to say here at Dose of Los, we do not endorse or encourage cigarette or nicotine smoking. Yes, you do. No, we don't. <laughs> We're actually going to open these windows up. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to need a light too, buddy, because I don't know what I did with mine. And I ain't talking about these lights you got set up here. Drop your jewel. No, the fuck I don't. I'm about to quit all this shit again. I quit and came back. Yeah. See, quitters never prosper, kids. I had a drill instructor. Don't be a quitter. Quick story before you tell that story. When I was in boot camp, um, I was in the medical separation platoon, and right across from us here, let me see that later, was the fuck-up platoon. All the guys that like were getting kicked out because they stole or did something bad. Yeah. And uh, our kill hat for the M for the uh, separation platoon comes in one day. He goes, oh, you fuckers over there, you're a bunch of fucking quitters. I fucking hate you quitters, you motherfucking rats. He goes, look at me, I had stage three cancer. And did I quit smoking? No, I did not. Lung cancer. And I still smoke cigarettes every day. You know why? Because I can't fucking stand quitters. Yeah, he's a different breed. Yeah, he's insane. <laughs> he was he's insane. a different breed. But so different anyway, breed. so you have this moment now where you're switching over. You have to pivot into a new career almost, as well as pivot from being a producer where you're taking care of others' needs in a way, and now you got to put yourself first. What was that like? It was the best thing I ever did. Really? Yeah. Were you scared at all? Yeah. Um, the reason I flipped to be an artist, my mom passed away. And uh, when she passed, I went back home to, to Cleveland. This was uh, I went to Alabama, actually. See, this is when shit gets real blurry for me. When time got real blurry. Why was it blurry? Because it's just a lot of shit happening in such a fast time, and I was drinking. I was, you know, it was just it's just blurry. Yeah. And um, I went back to Alabama, and then um, before I left, I had worked with BB and Troy, mm -hmm. two writers, two great friends of ours, and um. I Relly and Troy. What's Troy's last? Troy or Irons. Troy Irons. Thing. And I left them. Uh, I left BB with these two records I had did with my dude Bishop, and it was his records where I was fucking around, singing. Didn't know what I was doing. I was just fucking around. Yeah. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. So I went back home, and I was back in Cleveland from Alabama, and um, my publisher had got a hold of those because me and BB was signed to the same publisher. Right. And um, he was telling me, "Yeah, man, this guy wants to meet you. He wants to manage you, man. You, you need to come on back, man." Like, yeah, all right. Two months go by, man. Where are you at, man? I'm in Cleveland. What do you mean? I'm still where I'm. I'm at where you called me last, nigga. In Cleveland. Yeah. Another month went by. He like, man, what are you gonna? I'm like, man, you give me a flight. All right, I'm gonna come. Got me a flight. Got right off the plane. Mm. Went met Pete. Then Pete was like, you do this. You get me sessions. You don't be late. Do this. I'll have your deal in six months. When I flipped to be an artist, I was able to affect the total outcome of the record. How I always wanted to as a producer, but as a producer your line stops at a certain point. Mm. And when I was able to affect the total outcome of the record, I was like, oh, I'm not going back. Mm. <laughs> I get to literally make whatever I hear in my head on top of what I already heard in my head. Because yeah. once you make the beat, then the artist has to take it and do what they want. And this, right. you know, the final say lies with them. So mm. that was the best thing I ever did because it gave me creative freedom, complete creative freedom. And it was also a new, a new skill for me to learn. Like that first year, I literally didn't want to work with nobody. I wanted to sit and learn how to do it myself because I always feel like if somebody teach you how to do something, you're going to do it like them. Say do it yourself. What are you referring to there? Now, I don't want nobody to teach me how to write a song or go in with writers. Right. I want to learn how to do it myself and then work with people right, because right. I want to learn my way of doing it. So I always have my style. Yeah. Excuse me. And um, that's what I did. And it helped me be able to work with people and know how to work with people. Hmm. Because everybody has different ways of doing things. Right. And as 
a person that knows how to work every chair in the room, you got to know how to respect every chair in the room and allow them to do them to get the best out of them as they do for you. Yeah. So when I, I said that's one thing that I always appreciated uh, when we started working together, because I remember we had a conversation where um, we talked about what we both wanted out of the situation. I remember telling you I want to write and uh, I want input. I want you know creative input on it. Mm-hmm. And you always oblige both those passions of mine. To the point where you were actually the first artist that I ever got writing um, credits with, that I ever wrote with at all. Um, and I always appreciate the fact that I could always try stuff with you. I, it didn't didn't necessarily mean that we would always use it, but you always at least let me get get it out of my system. Yeah. An and engineer, if it's fire, I'm going to use it. Like, yeah. and, and that shit is one of the most stifling and frustrating things as an engineer when you're sitting in that chair and you know you have a good idea but the artist won't even hear it because of the chair that you're in. Yeah, a lot of that is ego, too. Oh, sure. A lot of it is definitely wrapped up in ego. But, yeah, it's uh, that was definitely a, a liberating thing for me. Um, and I always appreciated that about you. And I, I, I definitely think that's something you were very good at is always uh, hearing other people's input in the room. You, never, yeah. you know what I mean? You'd always take – shit, there was times where there'd be, be people in the room – that you would be asking what they thought, and then in my head, I'm like, what the fuck are you asking this motherfucker? What they think? <laughs> this motherfucker doesn't know their fucking asshole from their elbow. Why? Who cares what they think? But, you know, to your credit, sometimes that individual would have something in there that you, you were able to, to use or, you know, make something out of. So um, That's why I don't have people in the room except for if you're not contributing to what's going on, mm-hmm. I don't need your the thoughts that you have. I can feel your thoughts. <laughs> I can feel them. Like if I'm sitting there yeah. working on something, you know how the creative process is when you're working on something mm-hmm. and it's not quite there yet. Yeah. And you know that it's, it hasn't gotten sweet yet, but you can feel motherfuckers opinion behind you. Like, yeah. what the fuck is this nigga doing? This is some Jake ass shit. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. Yeah. If you're not contributing to what we're doing, I'm not, I don't, I don't have you there. So the most, it was always me and you, me, you and a producer yeah. or one of my cousins or brothers or a trusted friend that also works on music. Yeah. People, opinions that I trust and I value. Like I don't do the random shit. Pull up to the studio, man. We at the studio tonight, man. Pull up to the studio, man. Come on to the studio. We about to be at the studio. You coming to the studio? It's gonna be a whole lot of people. But the studio gotta come to the studio, man. It's party. We gotta bring the niggas, bring the bottles, bring the bitches. Gotta come to the studio. Bring the studio down to the studio. Cause we got the studio in the studio. The studio ain't there when the studio come there with the bitches in the studio. In the studio with the bitches and the niggas with the drinks. Don't forget the studio. Yo, forget the studio. Fuck out of here. If you ain't contributing, don't even don't niggas know not to ask to come to my if, session. If you, reminds me of a quote that I saw. Damn, where did I see this? At? I don't remember now, but. It's uh, it was if you don't belong, don't be long. Hey, I like that. So, remember that, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't belong, don't be long. Don't be long. Say hi and get on about your fucking. Say hi bitch. and goodbye. Yep. Um, so at that point, you've transitioned to artist mode. Um, and that's when we started, you know, working together and the whole current Earl St. Clair tornado started to really take shape and uh, tear across the industry. Just wasted all that water. That was terrible. No, I didn't got nowhere to put it out. You could have put it out somewhere else. Where? When I don't know. When we started Forest Fire, Smokey the Bear says, don't put <laughs> cigarettes out <laughs> in the wild, nigga. Smokey the chair. <laughs> um, so, yeah, at that point, we start working together. And this is where we're going to take a little bit of a side, side uh, mm-hmm. not sidestep, but we're going to do something a little bit different from what we usually do on Dose of Los. We're actually going to play some music today. Oh, shit. We're going right. to talk about some of the music that we worked on together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just talk about the story behind those and, and stuff like that. So to start with, 
The fuck was that? I have no idea. Those are those wild dingoes. Spanky, what about the wild dingoes? <laughs> Remember that on the Little Rascals when they made Alfalfa stay up there? He was like, well, uh, what about the wild dingoes? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Do you remember what the first song we worked on together was? No, I don't. God. I remember the first song that you got writing credit on, Feeling Alive. That was one of the earliest. Let's, let's play. Let's start off with Feeling Alive. We'll talk about the first record that we ever worked on together. Oh, I actually just. Here we go. Feeling alive. Nope, that's not feeling alive. Nope. <laughs> I hit very, the button. It's a very dark record. That's a very different record. Here we go. Uh. Thought it was in the song, didn't you? I thought, wait, <laughs> that was you. That was him. So we're going to fast forward to the hook real quick. This is the part that I worked on. This is a great song, but we're just going to get to the moneymaker. Because this song right here. Is an unstoppable chance. I'm feeling alive. I'm feeling alive, alive, alive. Every time I heard this record, I always uh, pictured Linus from uh, the Peanuts doing that dance. So, it's part of the reason I brought that up. This is your biggest record. I know. This record, every year we get checks for this record. This is my biggest record to date. Every year I get checks for this record. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yep. Feeling alive. Yep. But you don't like performing that song. Because I always get the second part of the first verse mixed up with the second part of the second verse. Every fucking time. I don't care how many times I rehearse it. I always. And you always those... have it right in rehearsals. But I, I don't know. Rehearsals, what... it goes through seamlessly. I don't flawless. Know. I don't know. It's every time I get on stage, I just mix those two parts up. I don't know. I don't. I, I, that's exactly how I be. My head be like, all right, here come the part. It's coming up. Ah, damn, you did it again. Yeah. So you're actually aware of that part approaching in yes, the moment. Yes. I think maybe that's why you mess it up because you're thinking about it. No, because I, when I'm performing in my head, it's just, um, rehearsals are going through my head. Mm. So that's how I memorize how all my songs is just how I did a rehearsal, muscle memory. And um, I just don't know. I just, it always happens. It just never fucking fails me. Huh. Never fails. Every time. This guy's just fucking it up. Fucking up the money. Every time. Well, I can imagine how that would happen being that you have 10 million songs yeah. jammed into your head. But it is interesting how that particular song, oh, you me. always choose to mess that part up. I don't know what's up with you in that thing. Do you have a favorite song that you've done so far that we've released? What is, or like, what's the song that you're particularly fond of? Doesn't have to be one that we released, actually. I don't have one. You don't have any favorite songs? My favorite song is always the newest song I do. Mm. Like, that's just how it is. That's how I just keep going. Because if I get stuck on something, then I'm going to always try to compare to that. Is there a song that you're particularly proud of? Like there's something that you did on this song or like, you know, that type of thing that is there a record that stands out to you a little bit more than the others? Um, no, no, I'm appreciative for all of them, you know, because hmm. there's a million people in the world who make music and for people to actually go and listen to my music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? With, without a deal, whatever, like it's, it's a blessing. So I'm, I'm particularly proud of all of them. 
a good answer. I'm really proud of all of them. It's not one that, like, yeah, that's the one. No, it's just, a very good answer. Very political answer, but very good answer. Hey, man, no, I'm just fucking with yeah, you. Want, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a good liar. I'm well, good at telling the truth. I have a record that stands out to me. It was one of the most emotional recording sessions I've ever had. It was one of the most impactful records, I think, that I've ever worked on as far as how... Two that come to my mind that, I, that you might be talking about, but go ahead. Okay. Um, impactful in the way that I've played these records for people before and watched them have visual or, or physical reactions to them, whether it be them crying or something else, but um, this record, it grabs people. What's your guess? It could either be Crocodile Tears or Pain. It's not Crocodile Tears. So it's Pain. It is Pain. And we're going to get right into that. Mind you, I was drunk. Yes, you were. Bible so tall, make all the bitches want to fall. Make them all want to <laughs> cry. Make them cry. I don't think I need any help. I got this all under control. At least that's just what I tell myself. As an excuse so I can indulge. And if I'm really, 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 really hurt, I might burn through a whole pack of smokes. It's getting kind of bad. We're letting this one go for a little while, folks. It's too good. I give anything to give my mama bad. Wish you left my whole world was cut in half. Never ever dealt with that pain, pain, pain. Oh, killing me. Oh, That is one of my favorite records that I've ever worked on. One of my favorite records, period. Um, and I think the reason it's one of my favorites is one just because of the the story behind it. Um, and we don't have to go too deep on it, but to lightly touch on it, you had within three years of recording that record lost both your parents or four years, about three no, or four they, years. They they passed four years in apart. So it was eight years. Mm-mm, they I cut that record. They was already gone. No, no, I'm saying within, it was, how long was it after you cut that record from the time your parents had passed? Oh, shit. That's what I mean. I don't know. It's a blur. I don't know. But well, it, it was it was probably about three years. Yeah. About three years. So it was, it was still fresh. Yeah. It was still something that was, that you were oh, dealing yeah. with. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, not that I think people ever stop dealing with that type of thing. It's probably something that, you know, especially when it happens young, you carry that around a lot longer than if it happens later in life. But that was still fresh in your, in your, in your person. You know mm-hmm. I mean? That's still very much a part of who you were. Um, and I remember during those sessions, the writing was, it was hard. It was some of the hardest writing that I've seen you do. It was some of the hardest stuff for me to be able to contribute because you were pulling from places that I've never been. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as far as the loss of a parent. Um, and I remember not just that, but each word had to be impactful um, because of what we were, what we were dealing with in that session and what you were talking about. There couldn't be a throwaway line. Not at all. Like there were, and not to say that you write throwaway lines, but there's all, you know what I mean when I say that, like there's in most songs, there's lines that you could take out that you can, yeah. you know what I mean? But there was no line in there that I felt like should have been changed or anything like that. And then there was a take toward the end of that session. And I think I might still have a post on my Instagram from when we did this, but you came out of the booth in tears. Um, and it was, man, let me see. It was around here. It was actually this part right here. It was this. It was actually this tape. Because I remember I used yeah. this tape. When you came out after this tape, if it really hurts, I was like, oh yeah, we're using it. And it was distorted. It was a little bit dirty. Yeah, but it was, the, it was the perfect tape. Yeah. It was this build up right here. That was a blur, huh? A lit. That, that that whole year, two years was a blur. Yeah. A lot of shit I don't remember. Yeah. yeah, that session, man, that that session right there actually helped change the way I looked at music. Um, because it, I never was in a session where I felt like I made something so powerful until we made that record. And when we made that record, I was like, yo, this is, like, I remember playing that song on repeat for days, man. I don't see how. That shit is, uh. It's, it's sad, but. yeah. <laughs> Hell if it ain't good, man. <laughs> Shit. We're going to reset real quick. And, uh, yeah. All right. Um, but, yeah, no, that would, bro, I, yeah, I, I listened to that record on repeat for a hot second. And even though I feel like it's probably not the best idea to do this, whenever I'm in a bad mood or I'm sad, I listen to that song. And I don't know why we do that. Why we listen. I guess it feels good to listen to sad songs when you're sad. Yeah. But if you think about it, it doesn't you, really make sense. You should it, listen to something happy and cheer yourself up. No, that, that's not how it works. I know it's not how it works. But Nobody wants to be alone regardless. Mm, no matter if you're happy, you don't yeah. want to be happy alone. You don't want to be sad alone. So wow. if you're sad, you want to know that it's not just you. So you go turn on something that people went through that you're going through at the moment. And that actually in my opinion, helps you get through that little moment that you're going through. I think you're dead on, bro. Actually, I think that's... Who want to fuck be sad alone? Because as selfish as it may seem, you want somebody else to be sad just like you. And that's the fucking truth. Or at the very least, like you said, at least know that somebody yeah. else has been there and experienced they that. Feeling and they feeling what they feeling or felt what you're feeling. It. Yes. And that Dang. shit helps you get through that moment. Yeah. So when people say, yeah, man, if you're feeling like this, you should do the opposite. No, that, that that's not really how it works because you're trying to fabricate something you're not feeling at that moment. Yeah. And that shit kind of makes it worse for me. Like really? if I'm if I'm not if I'm having one of them days where I'm not in the best space mentally, mm. I'm not about to go turn on happy music. It's not gonna move me. No, I'm just I agree with you completely. It's just it's it seems on paper. 
Yeah. On yeah. paper, it seems backwards, right? Yeah. Would you agree there? Yeah. Yeah. I think course. it seems backwards on papers that, like, or at least on paper, like you're in a bad mood, listen to something that reflects yeah. the bad mood. But you're a hundred percent right. I think you, I think you hit it square on the head that listening to that is therapeutic because Excuse shit, me. it's like, yo, like this guy's been through it. He's right there with me, and he's gotten through it, and he's gotten through it. That's the key thing. Another thing that you talk about in that record that I that was part of the reason I thought it was so powerful um, is because literally, I mean, it's the hook, right? Yeah. I got to deal with the pain. I never dealt with that pain. Before it deals with me. Mm-hmm. Before it, de- like, fuck if that ain't powerful. That's the truth. Truth yeah. is always powerful no matter, you know what I'm saying, what you're saying. Yeah. Truth resonates. And that's the only way you know. I've always expressed that, like, I don't know how to do anything but tell the truth in my music. Yeah. And that's what people latch on to, especially if they catch the right record in the right moment, whether it's a bad or a good moment. Yeah. If it's the truth, it's going to resonate. And people hold on to those moments, and they always go back to that song when they heard it in this moment. You know what I'm saying? And that's how people create timeless music, when you when it's a moment. Yeah. Like, what's your fa- what, name one of your favorite songs from the 2000s, or growing up before you even had a license? Oh, man. Um, shit. Uh, no limit. Uh, you can pick a Master P record. I don't know. Okay. About about it. I love about. When the first time. This when is it's for the pimps and the Cadillacs with the tens and the twelves bumping in the back. When's the first yeah. time you heard that record? Man, was I in seventh or eighth grade? I was in middle school. I got in trouble for buying that CD. <laughs> I bought that CD from this uh from this record shop up the corner for, uh, up the street from my house. And I was I uh, I pulled out my bottom drawer and I hid the CDs. I bought that and something else. I can't remember what it was, but I hid those CDs underneath the drawer. You know, how you can pull out your drawer and you got yeah. that little dead space. Yeah. So I hid the CDs under there. I don't know how my mother or why my mother decided to look in that area this day, but apparently something drew her to that area, and she pulled my drawer all the way out and found my CDs down there. Took me back to the CD shop to the record store, made me return the the records. And then when the guy tried to give me my money back, you know what she said? What? She said, no, you keep the money. He knew he wasn't supposed to buy those. (laughs) (laughs) Got your ass smoked twice. (laughs) Smoked me. Roll me up. Got your ass smoked. And smoked my ass. Man, I was sick. Not only did I not get my CDs, but then I didn't get my money back. And see, the compromise was back then. Every now and then, she would let me buy the uh, the edited versions from Walmart. Yeah, I had I had the P Diddy and the Family album edited. That shit is so jake. Oh, I know it was. It was so jake. But so in my head, I was like, well, at least I'll get to go get the edited versions from Walmart. Yeah, you the only nigga with the edited versions. Nope, See, I didn't even get the edited version. That's a moment. That song is attached to a moment, yeah. whether it was good or bad. Yeah. That's the thing with it. But truth in the music. That song, no matter what the song is about, it's truthful. This is for the homies with the Cadillacs I mean, with the tens and the twelves bumping in the back. I, I agree with what you're saying completely. In that instance, the moment was generated by my mother smoking me. <laughs> Not so much the truth in the music, but you are 100% correct. The truth in the music is definitely what creates moments. Um, yeah, no, she yeah, she she rolled me up on that one. Smoking on Lowe's Pack tonight. Yeah, we smoking um, on that Lowe's Pack tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Um yeah, no, that was that was awful. Did your mother ever do anything like that to you when you were growing up? Uh, musically, no. Um, porn, yes. 
Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Hold on. You going to tell the story I think you're going to tell? About the phones? Yes. I could. I could tell the story. Tell both the stories. Tell all the stories. I'm going to tell the phone story. Tell the phone story. Um, So, you know these are the 1-800 numbers and shit, right? (laughs) When they used to come on late at night, watching BET or whatever you're watching. 1-800 sexy girls, all that shit. So, I started calling them bitches, right? And then um, it got to the point where I was making shit up. 1-800-BIG-TITTY. Yeah, like, I used to do the same thing. One, I was a little pervert. I would I, I would call them, and I would just listen to the intro, and I would get my rocks off within that 30 oh, seconds. No. See, that's different. You, I didn't do that. For some reason, I wanted to listen. So I called the motherfuckers. I, I used to like I used to have to catch the bus home from school. I called from the payphone just to see if it worked. So when I got home, I could call that bitch. Yeah, you was pre-gaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you was getting your game plan together. When I get home, oh, I'm, oh yeah, I'm going to call, call, call 1-800-BIG-BOOBS. <laughs> yes. And then that's going to be a warm-up. And I'm going to get over to 1-800-BIG-BUTTS. And that's the one I'm going to really go to town on. <laughs> that's how I do that. So I had uh, I started calling this. So for the first like month of me calling, yeah, month, month of me calling and shit, I would just listen for a little bit and yeah. hang up. So then one time, I tried to chime in. You know, I got a kid voice, but I, hey, yeah, what's going on? Yeah. All right. You, so you, you ladies sound really hot. One of the girls like, it's a fucking kid on the line. <laughs> it's a fucking, you don't hear that? It's a fucking kid. I'm like, no, no it's not. Like, it's a fuck. Your, your mom's going to fucking kick your ass. Your parents are going to fuck you up when the phone bill comes. And I was like, no, they're not. And I hung up the phone. So it was like a week, right? I'm just like, oh, shit. I forgot about all the phone bill. All you could hear for that whole week, it was like a TV show. Your parents are going to kick your yeah, ass when yes, the phone yes. bill comes. Don't you know when all the little things <laughs> yeah. start popping up and they just moving the, around? That's you're, how it you're was. You're in school walking to the cafeteria. Your oh. parents are going to kick your ass. Your parents are going to kick your Bruh, ass. That's how it was. I was terrified. So I'm like, maybe it won't show up. Maybe it Come won't around. show up. My dad get in the house. He get off work from Arte. Arte is a bus, by the way. He drove the bus. He got off work about eight. Mm. My mom checked the mail with my dad started reading. Well, I don't remember how it was, but I know my room was the first room when you walk in the house. Yeah. Next room, the living room, my sister's room, and then the last bedroom, my parents' room. Okay. I had bunk beds, blue bunk bed. One was, I think it was a queen, and the top one was like a full size. Yeah. All I hear is, Earl! Not calling me, calling my daddy. Right. Earl! You been on, come look at this phone bill. What, Rhonda? Rhonda, what you, what, that's how my dad talk. Rhonda, what you, what's the, what you calling me for? Look, you been calling these numbers? Like, what? Rhonda, what don't be calling? No, you know, my dad, they had porno tapes. What are you going to be calling numbers for? <laughs> Go down the line. Quita, that's my sister. Yes, ma, she on the phone. Yeah. You been calling these numbers on here, 1-800? Uh, why would I call? I'm on the phone with such and such and such and such. I'm in my room on my bed like, shit. My God. They coming down. Me. Fuck. <laughs> that's how I'm in my head. I'm like, fuck. It's about to be over with. EJ? I ain't answer. I act like I ain't hear him. EJ? Huh? My mom come down, come, come down to my room. You been calling these numbers? What numbers? You know what numbers my dad comes stand next to her and then all this light from the Oh, you block all the, all the, all the light, light. All the light yeah, blocked out. You block all the light. So I'm looking up like, don't you know when they when you in jail on a cartoon and they open the, the big door? Shadow yes, that's nigga, that's how I was. <laughs> You been calling these numbers like no, I ain't been calling, I ain't been calling, I ain't been calling, I ain't calling nobody. I don't need for Queen to be on the phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they like one one eight hundred big titty. You ain't no your Queen ain't calling no one eight hundred big titty. I'm like it wasn't me. You can tell it, my dad like you can tell the truth now, or you can see lying about it. Gonna make it worse. So eventually I broke down the toes. So by this time it's like ten o'clock. My dad got to go to work. He like. 
tomorrow, tomorrow's Friday. He's yeah. like, tomorrow when I come home from work, I'm whooping you. <laughs> Mind you, my daddy wasn't the main disciplinarian in the house. Oh, he man, wasn't the disciplinarian. To, you had to keep the whooping in your mind for Nigga, the whole day. I had to day. go to school. I'm oh, sitting there like, fuck. Because my dad, like I said, my dad wasn't a disciplinarian. So my now, mom laid down the whooping. So now instead of hearing, when, you, when your parents get the phone bill, they're going to whoop you. Instead, now you're hearing, when I come home from work tomorrow, yes. I'm whooping you. Yes, and I, mind you, I never really got, I probably can count on one hand how many times I got a whooping by my dad. How old were you also, by the way? Oh, shit. Middle school, 12, high school? 12, oh, 11. Shit. Yeah, okay. It was between 9 and 12 because I was catching a bus. Okay. It was between 9 and 12. And I come home, my daddy get home. About 8 o'clock, he got two pizzas from Royal. Pepperoni, Supreme. Mm-hmm. He's like, when you finish eating, come on in there. That's exactly what he said. When you finish eating, come on in there. Nigga, I damn near ate a whole box of pizza, nigga. Slow as fuck. Nigga, I'm, <laughs> I'm watching TGIF Friday, Urkel, all that shit. Oh, yeah. Step TGIF, by step. Yes, sir. He come in there, you done? I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not done, I'm not done yet. You no. <laughs> chewing crust like a cow. Nigga. About 10 o'clock rolled around, and he's like, all right, come on now. Come, come on in there. Nigga, I'm like, shit, this shit about to hurt. So my mom did the two-strap technique where she got both ends, got the double. My oh, dad okay. did the one. Wrap it around, and he broke, drove for RTS, so the belt was about that dick. That motherfucker wrapped that bitch around, nigga. <laughs> Which end did he use? Buckle? No in? buckle. Oh, okay. It wasn't abuse. Okay. It was straightening. Okay. A little, little straightening. There ain't nothing but a little, little, little bit straight. straightening. It was just a little bit a little straightening. Bit straightening. He wrapped that motherfucker around. I put my arm up, nigga, that first motherfucking strike. Bow! Bitch wrapped around my hand like the motherfucking Did sticky, you like Indiana sticky Jones. hands, nigga. <laughs> Fire, I'm like, bitch peeled it off, nigga. I saw skin fly off with the belt, nigga. Oh, oh my God. That was one of the worst whoopings I ever got. Yep. Oof. Yep. Caught me with the perverted shit. Did you ever call that number again? No. <laughs> I didn't call any of those numbers because I found my parents' pornos tapes not too far after oh, well, there you, go. you know, the black tape, they got like something written on it but you can't really tell because it's written in like glue or like some clear like i remember it was rainbow sex it was a black tape rainbow sex, rainbow sex. i couldn't wait because my mom started working at payless she uh-huh. had she had sickle cell she didn't work all the time when she started working nigga i'll I be on the first bus leaving school nigga i'm about to go home and jack this bitch <laughs> your poor dick was like oh shit she's Not, going to work again is it almost three o'clock oh, no. already <laughs> oh no when does she get off when does she get off <laughs> go on, pop that motherfucker in boy be on that bitch whacking that bitch nigga i used to call it my feeling because i didn't know what coming was i'd be like i gotta go get my feeling that's what i used to call <laughs> Get your feeling. Get my feeling. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so that's she ain't never oh. give me for the music, but it got me Damn. for the porn though. And then one time, oh, shit. they had like this little silver, like this little silver, like uh, safe, and that's yeah. where they kept the pornos in. I found the keys, and I, I opened that the bitch. Keys to the kingdom, the key, nigga. <laughs> And I left the safe on the bed open. <laughs> I left the safe on the bed open. Mama come in the house. EJ, you been in our room? <laughs> no, I ain't been in your room. Lying bad as fuck. Anybody else in the house? I'm the only nigga in the house and let the pornos out. Well, apparently, a burglar came in here, <laughs> didn't, didn't steal anything, but he watched the pornos and didn't put them back. <laughs> that ain't my first time lying about some shit like that. We was in oh, college and I man. used to argue with, used to argue with, a, with my girlfriend at the time, yeah. who was my uh, child's mother, Ryan. Yeah. And um, 
we used to argue a lot when I was in college and shit. And so I got mad one time and I kicked a hole in the wall. Mm -hmm. And so Javier was my roommate, my homeboy Jack. You ain't never met Jack. Yeah. And um, they was like, what the fuck happened to the room? I'm like, man, I don't know, man. Somebody must have broke in here. Well, nothing gone. <laughs> well, nothing gone. <laughs> well, nothing gone. And they like, so somebody just broke in here and kicked a hole in the wall. <laughs> Mind you, we in college, nigga. I'm lying bad as fuck. <laughs> I'm lying bad as fuck. Choked man. on my own fucking head. Oh my god, man. Jesus Christ. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just I, this is off. This is a little bit off subject, but I just got to do this real quick because please pick up the phone. Oh my mind. god, you told them that somebody broke in, kicked a hole in the wall, and left. Bro, hold on, bro. Oh my god. You, sir, were jive as fuck. Yes, yes, I was angry. Oh my! Lord. He ain't gonna pick up. It's three hours behind. I forgot. This nigga pick up. He the goat. He is not the goat. He's Who's not Javier? The goat. Yeah, he's Javier, not. you are not the goat. You're not the goat. Not bro. the goat, You're Javier. The goat. You had a chance to oh, shine. Oh, hold on, cause the bitch ain't pick up. But yeah, yeah. Back to what? No, she never. I never. I cause anytime I bought CDs, they had bought it for me. And I didn't start buying my own CD, so I was like 14. And I was going to like Tower City. It's like a spot in Cleveland. I was gonna say, like Tower Records? No, Tower City. It's like a little, it used to be a shopping mall. It used to be popping back in the day. Oh, okay. Because it was down there where all the buses, excuse me, where all the buses meet. So it's like a tourist spot. And uh, me and the homies used to go down there, go buy a CD, buy an academic shirt. You know what I'm saying? Get your academics fit on. Yeah. I used to go buy like a big top about the big timers album, I bought Nelly album down there. Right, right. Yeah. But before that, no, nah, they bought it all. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Oh, damn, you really jogging my memory. Oh yeah. This is what happens when you get a dose of los. Let's stay. Like that plug. Like that plug. Get a dose of los. Great memory, fucking. You know what I'm talking about? The memory get jogged. That's gonna be in the uh in the mon and what's it called? The montage. Yeah. When I do a montage, but this is what happens when you get a dose of los. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be in the in the montage. So this this actually this actually did happen. Correction. 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 I had sex with Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I had sex with Katie too, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to go to Alabama. You know, I lived in Alabama. That's my daddy's house. And um, I used to kick up my cousin Roy. Yeah. And he had to tear the club up thugs album. And you know, and that album was a slop on my knob, like corn on the cob. Check in with me and do your job. Hey. Lay on the bed and hey, give, give me, me head. head. Don't oh, have to ask. Don't, Don't have to beg. Juicy is my name. Man. Sex is my game. game. Let's, Let's call the boys. Let's run a train. Squeeze on my nuts. Lick on my butt. The natural curly hair. Please don't touch. First you find a mate. Second find a date. Third find a bag to hide the whole face. Real name Rover. I said bend over. I started to knock. Then came the odor. Smell. I can keep going, but <clears throat> yeah, let's, let's 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 stop at that point. We're gonna stop right there. That's a good. Good spot to stop at. So I love that. I love that album. And they had another song on there. All dirty hoes suck dick. Nigga, what? And they had another song called. Uh, it's three six. Yes. They had another song called um, Eat My Pussy or some shit like that. And um, I'm dead ass. Yo, now, that, like, when you look back at these songs, we were listening to this shit in middle school. The shit Bruh. that people listen to at a, such a young age is kind of wild. Yeah, this is before I was buying CDs and shit, too. Yeah. So, um... I didn't have, I wanted that CD so bad. So my uncle, David, my uncle, Wade, mm -hmm. 
and somebody else, they drove her from Alabama. and um, Took you down to the bootleg, man. They came to Cleveland. They drove her to Cleveland. Okay. And um, they had my cousin Roy's CD book. Oh. Cousin when I, Roy's CD. When I saw they had that bitch, bruh, I was like, oh, let me see if the CD in there. It was in there. Oh, you swiped that. My mom had a, they, you know, rent-a-center nigga. She had, like, the stereo system, these big, tall-ass speakers. Yeah. Nigga. I went and popped that bitch in, nigga, and turned that shit on. And my cousin said, I keep the CD. My mama came in there, cussed my ass out, and broke the CD, bro. She like, what? Turn that shit off in my house, boy. What is wrong with you? I'm like, this this, this, this Roy CD. I don't give a damn if it's Roy Toy Boy CD. Broke that bitch in half. I was mad as fuck, bro. Like, I waited for like a two years to hear that song again. Because it wasn't on the radio. Oh, no. I couldn't go buy that at it FYE. On the radio. I wasn't old enough to buy it. And there was no online look it up. Nope. Wasn't no downloads. Wasn't none of that happening. Got my ass smoked. So, yes, I got smoked. And now I, I waited so long just to hear that slob on my knob record again. Damn. And my mom, she didn't approve. Smoked my ass. Most mothers probably would not after no. after hearing <laughs> squeeze on my nuts, lick, lick on, my, on butt. my butt. I yeah. think most moms would probably react the same way she was Rhonda did. Rhonda wouldn't have it. <laughs> Rhonda wouldn't have it. Yo, they were saying some wild shit back then. Nigga. It was I I did not understand a lot of the things they were saying at that age. I understood some of it. But a lot of it was flying right over my little twelve year old head. I will say that for sure. Oh yeah. Like um you remember California Love? Yeah. Like the Dr. Dre yeah. record? Uh, Tupac, don't you, I mean, don't yeah. you think black I'm from this I'm from the uh, I'm from the state where the bomb ass hemp be a state that you never found a dance floor empty where pimps be on a mission for them. Yeah, too. I didn't know what hemp was when the first time I heard that. Bruh, I didn't know he said ass. When he said bomb ass hemp be, I thought that was one word. So I used to sing that and my mom be like, Boy, you better stop cussing. I'm like, I'm not cussing, he said bomb ass hemp be. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's all one word. <laughs> she said, but he said bum ass MB. Boy, say that shit again. I'm like, what bum ass MB? Like, I literally <laughs> kept saying that shit, bro. Yo. That shit used to just fly over our heads because it was, it, it was good. It sounded good. It sounded great. Sounded we didn't know good. any better. I definitely didn't. It sounded like, for all we know, it's bomb ass. Bomb ass was one word. They got some socks called bomb ass. Have you ever seen them? It's Bombay's, but. Is it? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. See, it's still going you know, right one head. You're one letter yeah. off. That's yeah, it. Just one. It's one. Take the Y, add an S. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You got it. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Who are some of your influences musically? Um, Because you have a sound that is very unique in the way that it's it's a new sound, but it has the old pieces. It's like uh, you always say, I, I believe it's you, fresh and familiar. Yeah. So where did where did that fresh and familiar sound, What what helped create that? Um, the music my mom and my dad used to listen to, for one, uh, Al Green. Yeah. I'm gonna credit that to my uncle Wade because when I used to go to Alabama and um, wake up on the weekends when he didn't work, he drove trucks for Coca Cola. Okay, and um, he'd be out in his yard and he'd have the music bumping out his trailer. You'll hear as soon as you come outside, I'm so tired of being alone. So around. How that bumping? My dad mm -hmm. loved war. My dad, hey, loved, I love war, man. Um, war fire. War, yeah. Otis Redden, okay. and um, on the dock of the bay. Mm -hmm. My mom was Erica Badu, Kurt Franklin, Mary J. Blige. Get on up! Anita Baker. Um, she used to listen to the OJs. She used to listen to um, 
the 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 Isley Brothers. She used to listen to uh, yeah, I'm the only ones that's coming to my mind right now. But yeah, that mm. and I was MC Hammer, Sir Mix a Lot, LL Cool J, Michael Jackson. Yeah, and so those were I was it. Michael Jackson at that age. Yeah, bad everybody. Yeah, nigga, yeah. smooth criminal nigga did the oh, lean nigga. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that to you. That wasn't one of my favorites. Well, the whole all that up until that album, I was yeah. a Michael Jackson fan yeah. until uh, what was that album? Was that, was that I don't remember. Dangerous or bad? I don't know what the fuck that album. Was I just called. know um, that was the last album that I liked. The Michael Jackson. After that, I was like, man. just off the on the Michael Jackson train. My favorite video was Leave Me Alone. That video was fire. That video was crazy. But um, that was my early influences I was getting that I didn't know I was getting. I didn't know that was getting embedded into my DNA, to my musical code. I didn't know that because I wanted to hear rap. And I went, you know, we used to go on road trips. I turned on the rap station. I fall asleep and wake up and then sitting in my four-corner room is on. Or Poncho passed the wine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or I'm going down. That was on. But I didn't know that was getting embedded into my musical code. So you're coding, huh? Yeah. So my my... Newer influences, Kanye West, Timberland, mm-hmm. Pharrell. Um, I'm not going to let you leave off the the Dungeon family. Of course not. Yeah. Organized Noise, yeah. Andre 3000. Those are my top influences right there. I'm gonna, uh, so I'm going to interject a quick side story. I think the reason I liked uh, Black and White so much when I was a kid, actually I know the reason I was drawn to it. Yep. That song, I felt heard. I've seen. <laughs> I felt seen. Somebody was speaking for me. Michael Jackson was talking <laughs> for me in that moment. He was like, "Los, it's okay." Yes, yeah, so that was that was part of the reason I liked that song so much. There's somebody that you left off, and the reason I'm going to bring them up is twofold. Um, shit, I'm just going to reset because otherwise, actually, no, I, I can tell the story with before it until it goes out, and we can we can close it out. Um, somebody that I can't believe you left this individual out. I'm going to give you one chance to redeem yourself. Who is the obvious person that you left out? The most obvious of Mr. the old Brown. school. Thank you. There it is. Mr. James Brown. Um, I remember just, dude, when we first started working together, yeah, Earl and I probably spent the better part of two years together when you first started off um, just cutting records every day. The hard drive is ridiculous. Hard drives. Hard drives at this point. Um We've crashed many a computer yes. in our day. Um, but we used to stay on St. Clair, which, damn, we are going to have to reset maybe. I don't know. St. Clair, it's interesting, real, real quick, St. Clair is a street that you grew up on uh, or that you lived on? Correction. Excuse me. Correction. Okay, real quick. Lysol had sex with Katie. <laughs> <laughs> no, St. Saint- <laughs> Saint Clair is a street. That was my granddaddy that he lived on it. When I okay. moved back from Alabama in 2006, I moved over there. And that's where I, he, my granddaddy got a guitar center card for me so I can get my equipment. You know, the guitar center credit card, he had good credit. Mm-hmm. And um, got the guitar center credit card, got the Phantom, got, uh, got some speakers. And um, that's where I started making beats. And that's where I started meeting artists in Cleveland and producing for them on St. Clair in Cleveland. So the start of your producer career was on St. Clair in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And then 129th. Fast, 129th of St. Clair. And then came out here, started Best working as an artist. To LA. One of my managers, his studio is on a street called St. Clair in California. That's right. So St. Clair to St. Clair, Earl St. Clair. At the time, we would work over at that studio. The studio also uh, had a house, you know, it was a house with a studio in it. Um, a house with a studio. A studio, studio with a house in it. <laughs> it's really a studio with a house in it. That's what it really was. Um, and so we would, be in the, you know, we'd be in the studio 12-something hours, and then we would hop, pop over to the house part. 
and we would sit there and we watched Get On Up with Chadwick Boseman probably I don't even know, man. Countless. We, I can't remember how many times we Countless. watched that movie. Um, to the point where, and we'll close on this, but it was. It we was manifested the, that name. We manifested this shit. There was a moment where um, we used to always joke about this line at the Apollo. You talking talk to people, people with the Apollo behind, behind my, my back, back. Bobby? Um, and so you and I remember we had just got off the fucking stage where we actually did the line we did, for a We did second. a show at the Apollo. Right. We did the show at, at the Apollo. We had, um, and at one point before the show, you and I were fucking around on the stage. We were over there messing with mm-hmm. the rock and shit. And then we did that little dialogue. And then 10 minutes later, do you remember who walks in the door? Of course. No, no, no. When we got off stage. It was. You're right. I'm sorry. You might have saw, you might have saw him while I was on stage. No, no, no. We saw him together after. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got That's on the right. elevator with us. That's right. I didn't. Well, no, he we was he in the. No, he wasn't in the elevator. Yes, he was. Was he? Yep. I don't even remember that. Yes, he got in the fucking elevator. Well, either way, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. R.I.P. My R.I.P. I believe he might have been shooting Black Panther. Yeah, because he said, "I'm shooting a movie. Don't say nothing to nobody." Yeah, because we asked him. So you know, we're we you and I are pumped because one. We're we're already a fan of him, and he's at he was at the show, and he's telling us Apollo. he's sitting there telling you how you know man I love the show da 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 so you that know nigga told me I was one thing off from James Brown, and that is the the microphone movements. Damn, that nigga said everything else you got it. That's crazy, and he wasn't even trying to take it. No, he just that just was there. But my feet don't move like James <laughs> either. But for him just to say I was one thing off, I was yeah. like fucking. That was wild. amazing. That was a big comment. So we're geeked. And so, you know, we asked him if we can take a picture. He obliges. So graceful. Um, <clears throat> even though he wasn't, you know, most celebrities, I, I would guess, would probably be like, ah, I'm not supposed to really be yeah. here. But he was just like, yo, like, I'm not supposed to be here. Do me a favor. Don't post this for, like, you know, six, seven months at least. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, man, appreciate you guys. So, yeah, we got to uh, meet Chadwick Boseman. That was one of the moments in my, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in my musical oh, career. Me. Where it was, I talked about this with Duke last week, but it was a moment where I was just like, damn, like that really just happened. Yeah. Like, I just, like, we met the dude who we've watched for months after we manifested coming to the Apollo and playing on this stage. Yep. So the power of manifestation. manifestation and all that good stuff. I don't know what, there's no moral to, per se for today except that this is my brother. I love him. Um, we worked together for years. Still and we, do. We still ain't, do. It ain't over. It ain't over yet. Oh, God, help me. Um, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, but uh, Earl, I appreciate you appreciate coming you. by. I appreciate you for who you are. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people, anything that you'd like to leave them with, stuff that you may be working on that's coming out soon that you'd like to make us aware of? Um, we're actually going to finally drop the album that we've been talking about for four years. Oh, shit, it's coming. It's been revamped, removed, reworked, pushed back, pushed forward, slid to the side, back up front. We actually about to put that out. Um, hey, coming soon. Be yourself. Believe in yourself. And do right by others. It comes back tenfold. It really does. There you go. Earl, my brother, appreciate you. Love you. Thank you for coming on. This has been a dose of Los. Get your dose. Serious yourself or a serious person. Tell your grandma about it. Bitch. Ha, 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 ha.